You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Alan Seals. And I'm Liz Estudin. And welcome to Carried Away, a podcast where we explore the films and television shows starring the one and only James Eugene Carey. And we're still in the Christmas zone right now. And it's like the danger zone, meaning that you have to spend a lot of time with your family and have uncomfortable conversations. And watch films that are probably not that good, but fuck it, it's on Freeform, so you're going to sit through it anyways. Like this week's topic, Yay, A Christmas Freeform! Carol. I love Freeform. Yay! Yay! Freeform! I will sell my soul to Disney at any point. Disney, you want me to sell out? Just reach out to my email. Dude, there are two, not one, two new Doctor Who hour-long specials on Disney Plus right now. You think I haven't watched them already? (laughs) You're welcome. No, I'm talking to our listeners because I'm You think they haven't watched them all already? Fair point. Fair point. All right, listeners. Let us know. We'd rather talk about Doctor Who. Let us know what you think. Anyway, what are we here to talk about? Um, David Tennant? No, David Tennant is I not wish. in A Christmas Carol. Um, I wish. Despite I wish. probably being a better fit for every role than the people they cast. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. yes, this is Robert Zemeckis' A Christmas Carol. Cue the music. I want you to experience the classic tale like you've never seen it before. In Disney Digital 3D and IMAX 3D. Disney's A Christmas Carol. So A Christmas Carol is an animated motion capture film released on November 3rd, 2009 in London and November 6th, 2009 in the United States, written and directed by the one and only Robert Zemeckis, based on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. The film stars Jim Carrey, Gary Oldman, Colin Firth, Bob Hoskins, Robin Wright, and Carrie Elwes, um, and the plot of which is an animated retelling of Charles Dickens' classic novel about a Victorian-era miser, taken as a journey of self-redemption, Kurt courtesy of several mysterious christmas apparitions so let's apparitions? talk ab- apparitions apparitions i'm so sorry Appar- i was like what's an apparition also the fact that anybody needs to summarize what the plot of a christmas carol is now is just strange to me because how many different variations of this of this overdone story have we seen or heard or read at least three good answer um the muppets the Will Ferrell and the, the this one. I performed in one. I performed in two, actually, in my day. I performed in one. I played Scrooge. I was not good. Um, <laughs> didn't even attempt the accent. Did not even, not even an attempt. I hear you asking, person that didn't keep up with trends of the early 2000s, Robert Zemeckis doing a Christmas Carol, how did that come to be? Well, this came to be out of corporate desperation of keeping his weird little animation company afloat and basically just begging to have something done so he didn't have to lay off his workers. So if we can track back his entire reign, Robert Zemeckis is one of the most prolific directors to ever exist in film history. He's range of work from the 80s to the 90s truly some of the most impressive films ever made who framed roger rabbit all three back to the future films death becomes her cast away forrest gump 
this track record is so incredible. And I haven't even brought up my favorite film of his, which is What Lies Beneath. One of the best like horror films and truly something that has inspired my film Ours of the Domino a lot and we were just having conversations with my composer about how what lies beneath is a big inspiration in, in what we're doing um so that being said Robert Zemeckis took a pill in the early 2000s and I would call that the insaney pants pill of this motion capture he developed motion capture in his own words mostly as technology that we could use later he was giving this as a gift to future filmmakers and by doing so he had to keep making films the first of which was the very very strangely successful Polar Express film which I don't think most people have think thought aged perfectly I don't know how you guys feel about that film I hate it I hate it, it. Was, I hate it was everything equally, about it it was equally creepy I will agree with uh there there's this weird line that if you blur it when you're trying to animate things to a point of being hyper realistic but they can't quite get it then it it becomes it takes you out of it and becomes actually un less believable do you remember team america world police fuck yeah yes yes there was an interview with matt and trey where there was an extra set of servos in the faces of these marionettes that gave them actually the ability to like smile or something and it made them look too real and it actually lost the comic effect like they had lateral face movement anyway my point being that polar express is creepy af yeah yeah that's just a very smart way of saying it and i just said i hated it without any intelligent <laughs> analysis so but <laughs> i think we have to kind of look back at the bigger picture of what the polar express is as a film i think it's a failure as basically a tech demo, I think it is one of the most impressive pieces of from the early 2000s. In 2004, like motion capture was in its baby, baby infancy. Um, so his company, Robert Zemeckis' company, Image Movers, got its start there and was lending out this technology to other companies just to show what it could do. Most famously, Monster House, which I think uses motion capture perfectly because that is heightened, not realistic facial things, but you get all the emotion. It is not trying to replicate a perfect human face. It is just trying to replicate the actor's intentions with it. And that is the correct use of mo motion capture. Then we've got something like Beowulf, which is a show, hey, it's not just for kids, this animation. This this can show you some really gross, bloody stuff. It can make an adult-centric film. And nothing Robert Zemeckis has ever made is like Beowulf for good reason. Thing is, outside of Polar Express, these films were not really successful. This was not a. This is a very expensive technology, and it's very hard to put into place without a good money amount of money. And for years, like Robert Zemeckis was trying to get a film done in the style, a remake of Yellow Submarine. He was running out of money, couldn't find anyone to co-distribute it, and the only one that has ever been successful was the Polar Express. So he goes to Disney, and Disney said, maybe we'll produce this if you give us another Christmas classic that we can make money off of in re-airings and all these other pieces, syndication, it, that we can re-release in theaters. Because Polar Express did not make its money really in its original run, but every subsequent run in IMAX is where it really started making in the big chunks of change. So Disney wanted their own. And Robert Zemeckis didn't really have an emotional connection to this, aside from keeping his workers employed and getting this out there. So what did he do? 
they basically forced him to do Christmas Carol because A, you're the time travel guy and B, this is the only thing that we can get and you need a big star in the lead. Enter Jim Carrey who Bob Zemeckis had never worked with before and only reason really is his face. He wanted to show the limits of this technology and he did so with the person that can use his face in the biggest of ways. You know, it's an odd thing to stare at your acting uh, partners and and have these two prongs sticking out of your head with four HD cameras this close to your face, you know? So it's, it, there are challenges, and, but there are also amazing uh, benefits. One of the reasons why I think Tom Hanks' performance in The Polar Express doesn't really work is if you've ever compared him doing the performance on set with all the dots on his face, he's doing some very subtle, tiny things that are very impressive and very good for a movie with proper actors. However, for an animated film, it is not reading. Jim Carrey, on the other hand, has this expressive, giant face where if you put dots on it and it's moving, the most giant, big expressions are dampened by the animation. So it still comes across and you still get a very effective performance. And that is why, as far as technicalities go, I think this is the most successful motion capture film, but I would never call this good. I would never say that this is good as mm. entertainment. There's the tech that goes into making the story. There's the writers that write the story. There's the actors that bring the two together. And then there's this other pile of shit that we're talking about right now. I don't uh, think that's, I, I want to be fair. I don't think that's fair to the artists and people that came together. I get that this was a last-ditch effort to keep yourself employed, and you're just trying to get a hit. And to their credit, they did get a mild hit. But it, it's it's the the texture, the environment, the like like somebody has to animate all of this. They have to, there's a the background people, and there's your crowd people, and there's your your lighting people. Like I don't there's way more that I know about when it comes to actual animation. But there's people who make the environment that the actors are then put into with the motion capture, and. The performances aside, the whole thing was dark in a way that kind of felt like literally dark, as in it's nighttime in London and it's just kind of creepy and scary. And the people have just, they look like they're all have bad skin and just, it's not pleasant to watch these people visually, but then the script itself, or maybe it was even directed that way, came across as very like a dark film tonally. I think that you could go either way. I think there's a version of this where it's a strictly dark adaptation of A Christmas Carol, and it would work really, really well. But they didn't do that. But there's also a version of this where it's a bright and fun and optimistic version of A Christmas Carol, and that could work very well. And they try to do both, and therefore neither work. So I think that if they had leaned into the darkness a touch more and gotten rid of all the goofier elements, we might have a masterpiece on our hands. Maybe. Truly. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Expect the first. Tomorrow when the bell tolls one. Can't I take them all at once and have it over with, Jacob? Expect the second the next night at the same hour. And the third upon the next night when the last stroke of twelve has ceased to vibrate. So, or gone the other way. With these films, the main thing is we need this to be on an IMAX screen. So for each one of the ghosts, Scrooge has to be doing something fucking big and wacky and massive so that when we show it on a big screen, it is effective. So 
that distracts from the narrative. Those things are what are avoiding this from being a story anymore. It wants to be a roller coaster ride version of A Christmas Carol as opposed to an actual story. And some of them are kind of clever. Some of them are fun. I really like the Ghost of Christmas Present lifting up the house, and that is the way that they look into the houses. That's a clever idea. But then you've got the Ghost of Christmas Past skyrocketing Scrooge into the sky and the Ghost of Christmas Future chasing him and the shrinking Scrooge down and chasing him. Those things ultimately ruin the, the, the emotional impact of the darkness. Yeah, mini, is, mini Scrooge didn't work for me. No, it is the worst time. If that had happened earlier, like during the Christmas Past things... I think I'd be more fine with it. But the fact that it's happening in the one time that we should be taking it seriously. Even the Muppets version knew we have to take away the comedic characters for that last third. We have to remove all the comedic elements so that the emotions hit harder. And that's where this one misunderstood the assignment altogether. That being said, we know this movie isn't great. Most people don't like it. I don't like it. You guys don't like it. How is Jim Carrey in this? How does he do as Scrooge? And the three ghosts, which is another clever idea that makes it almost worth doing this animation style. When I was first watching this, I did not uh, did not fully realize um, that it was motion capture. I thought that it was just straight animation uh, with them voicing it. And I was like, why? Why is he really going or why was Jim Carrey needed for this role? Because the character itself, you know, just kind of like hunched over and doing the Scroogey thing. And mm-hmm. I thought it was just animated. And then when I realized it was motion capture, I said, oh, OK, you know, that makes a lot more sense. But I don't think he was necessarily needed other than the fact that what you were saying a second ago about that uh, you have to be over the top with your face so that it translates and looks relatively normal when it's animated. Compared to everyone else, Jim Carrey's the only one that looks particularly good in this movie. Like, everyone else is kind of doing smaller, subtler performances. Colin Firth, God bless him, he is—he looks horrible in this film. But Jim Carrey, either they spent a lot more time rendering his face, maybe they heightened it a little bit more, made his nose a little bigger, made his eyes a little—the heightened—but he looks visually the most pleasant to look, like, look at, which— on one hand is a good thing, but on the other hand, he's Scrooge. Well, that that was my point, is that visually it just looks creepy. It looks it looks like it's in some weird dream state of people that, that don't quite fit what we expect people to look like. It's a little too real, but not and not animated enough. It's right there on this line that makes it just seem creepy. Mm-hmm. Liz, now that you seem to be back with us, what... What did you think of Jim Carrey's performance? I've seen, like, of the three of these motion captures of Mecha movies, this is, looks the best in parts. Like, I think Jim Carrey Scrooge is the best looking of the crew. And Cross the Christmas Present looks pretty cool. But then you cut to Bob Cratchit, who looks like a goblin. <laughs> and Colin Firth looks like Colin Firth 30 years from now if, if he drank too much and gained a lot of weight. Um, <laughs> and, like... It, it just there's some people in this movie that just don't look good, but Carrie like that shit. Carrie always, Carrie always never looks good. Jim Carrey's characters look pretty decent, but overall, just all the uncanny valleyness of the background and the buildings being weirdly like not textured in some spots. It's like I just think this is the only one with like a conceit. 
like a reason yes. to make a motion capture. Um, yeah, Jim Carrey as Scrooge, it, it works. Uh, and like, making him play the free ghost, that works. You can make a live action version of the first two. You can make a live action Beowulf. You can make a live action Polar Express. You should have made a live action Polar Express with actual children and not Tom Hanks' child for some reason. Tom but, Tom Hanks with uh, Megan Trainor's boyfriend's voice. Yes, which is weird. It's weird. Megan Trainor's boyfriend's business. I, I, I don't follow. Oh, uh, uh, Megan Trainor it- is currently married to the kid from Spy Kids. The boy from Spy Kids. Which boy? Daryl Sabera. Uh, Junie Cortez. Sabera. Mia's Googling. Oh, that kid. That kid, yes. I just remember when this film was announced. Um... Robert Zemeckis was just half-heartedly promoting this, like, you you know that this is the original time travel story, and who is the one guy that knows how to tell a time travel story? Y'all aren't ready for this one. And then, oh my god. Ugh. We um, were more but, than ready. Yeah. yeah. Although, like, still, Don't the care. flashbacks with using Jim Carrey's face, super effective. Wish they had done a little bit more with that, but I thought it was really mm-hmm. cool like that. Like, there are things that, like, make this almost worth existing. But let's talk about how dark it is real quick. Um, dun, dun, dun. It is unpleasantly dark. I would not take my kids to see this. This would, like, freak them out. There was, like, oh. on-screen death in, like, five different courses, different sections. Yeah. Yeah. Alan, would not... you show your kids this? No. No, that was my next thing. It was like, yeah. it's so real-ish that it's not appropriate for my children's. Would you they show not them get spirited, to see though? Yeah, with uh, Ryan Reynolds. I would show them, yes, maybe. Spirit, spirited, we did watch with my younger one. <laughs> well, there we go. I feel yeah. like this was a down-to-the-wire kind of thing because every scene feels like it's cut in half. Every Because I know Christmas Carol really well, the the book, the, the story. It feels like it. every scene was cut in half to make it as short as possible, as Spark Notes version as we can. This cannot be like... The, the one you watch because it's just missing so much of what makes it great. Surprisingly, The Muppets is still like significantly more accurate to the novel than this is. Well, Dickens yeah. wrote to, what did I want to call it? Say Dick Wolf. Dick Wolf did not Dick do Wolf. The Muppets. Jim Henson. Why, why, where did my brain insert Dick Wolf for Jim Henson? Who are we talking about? Robert Zemeckis? I don't Robert know. Robert Zemeckis. He's the director. So, yeah, he's yeah. the director. I don't understand. I don't understand where my brain is this morning. It's fine. It's 4 p.m. Al. It's like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Maybe in your time zone. Oh, where are you at? We're, yeah, I think we're all in the same time zones. I don't know. You'll never know. This is the time travel episode, remember? Alan's oh, no. in tomorrow. Yeah, I'm in Australia right now, mate. I'm slowly dying. How about we compare our opinions, opinions of those who write for the professional critic houses? Our it's time for our critical corner. I All like right, our critics so. with the apparish, apparitions. Apparitions. Um, that's yeah. good. I think that's, that's from IMDb. They made it fancy for some reason. I don't know why they didn't just say ghosts. So Roger Ebert said, Jim Carrey is in there somewhere beneath the performance capture animation. You can recognize his expressive mouth, but in general, the Zemeckis characters don't resemble the originals very much. In this, The Polar Express, you were sure that it was Tom Hanks, but here you're not equally sure of Gary Oldman, Tim Roth, Robin Wright Penn, or Bob Hoskins. 
Um, I like the way that Zemeckis does it. He seems to have a lot more sure touch than any of the other directors using 3D instead of being used by it. That is also something we should have brought up. There's a lot of moments where they're just trying to shove things in your face for the 3D of it all. And if I remember correctly, this was one of the better 3D experiences in the theater in like 2009. When No, this is a month before Avatar came out. Yeah, I was going to so- say, Avatar was also yeah, this is where Avatar. 2009. It was after... It was after Spy Kids 3D, Game Over, the greatest 3D movie yeah, of all time. That's our second Spy Kids reference this episode. Yes, this is a Spy Kids we gotta make it. we yeah. got to make it an even three. Um, so <laughs> should you take the kitties? Hum, I'm not so sure. When I was small, this movie would have scared the living ectoplasm out of me. Today's kids have seen more and are tougher. Anyway, A Christmas Carol has one quality that parents hope for in family movie. It's entertaining for adults. What accent is that? That's Midwestern. Uh, I don't know. Like a, an overweight banker with a walrus mustache. Well, <laughs> well, no, he's not overweight in his voice. He's like, well, I I definitely think this, Cisco. I really don't like that. It's like he holds out the ats and his A's so long. Yeah, um, that's true. Uh, so true. do we agree with that? No, I, I don't think it's entertaining for adults. I no. sincerely think adults no, are the ones... No, it's not. I would go back and watch Sex and Violence Family Hour before this. I would. I think that's that. No, <laughs> I think you're wrong. I there. wouldn't. No. Um, as a no, person that I had would. to rewatch it for a week, it was not fun. Why did it take Don't you a week to it. watch Sex and Violence Family Hour? Oh, you were <laughs> Well, I also it. had to edit the episode, so then I Fair had to point. go yeah. back and find the sketches. <laughs> I'm like, oh god. Fair point. <laughs> well, <laughs> I I would rather watch any of the early porn than this again because this was just creepy and i already knew how it was gonna end yeah there's some things to appreciate here unlike those like i can appreciate like you know the there's like one or two scenes that i think are really really brilliant and the the slog is still the slog true very true like well okay so what was your your favorite scene then oh my favorite scene that is not any other version i know other people have brought this up is when Scrooge has to go and visit uh, Bob Cratchit in his house. And Bob Cratchit, uh, when Tiny Tim died, and he's putting on a strong face for his family, and Scrooge is on the stairs, and then when Cratchit goes up the stairs, Scrooge has to look dead in the face to his real emotions that he's been hiding from his family. And that is like, ooh, that's a good that's a good cinematic idea right there. Like mm. that, and it was very well done, and that is not an, that was a wholly original thing for this adaptation alone. I'm like, okay, that that's a pretty cool idea. In most versions, there is a weird kind of moment when the Ghost of Christmas present opens his robes and there's just two children under there. And it always feels very iffy. And here, they do the brilliant thing of showing them grow up and become monstrous creatures in front of them. Like, there's a lot of little things that I think really shine about this. And when it shines, I'm like, oh, that's smart. Oh, that's good. Like, there's a good director in here somewhere. It's just lost in the bullshit. No So would you would this whole end-to-end situation, the motion capture and the and the big acting and the blah blah blah, would it have worked better maybe with Great Expectations instead of A Christmas Carol? The thing is that it wouldn't market as well. 
you yeah. got to think about the Disney marketing machine that says we want our own Polar Express. Okay. Okay. So you got to keep it Christmas. You got to keep it something that you could re-release every year for a holiday. Okay. Point for Jesse. You win this round. We haven't played Letterboxd yet, Alan. Calm down. A.O. Scott of the New York Times said, The London that Mr. Zemeckis renders has a storybook quality for sure, but a pall for poverty and injustice hangs over its brick houses and cobbled streets. It's not only the ingenuity of 3D that sends some of the shadow drifting into theaters, and the ghosts are not playful spooks, but rather symbols of the deep terror at the heart of this not entirely cheerful story, governed from start to finish by agonizing fear of death. Carrie also has a good time portraying some of Scrooge's inhuman com- company, in particular the bombastic Bacchanalian Ghost of Christmas Present. The three main episodes of Haunting provide Mr. Zemeckis opportunity to push ahead with the experiment that he has sustained through the Polar Express and Beowulf, and they show mixed results. There is real sweetness and sublimity in the way Scrooge and the Ghost of Christmas Past swoop over the roofs of London, their way their way to Ebenezer's childhood home, a blend of fancy realism that feels both quaint and eye-poppingly new. No one is talking about an emotional connection or a verbose kind of new take. They are just talking about the spectacle, which on one hand I get, but on the other hand, it doesn't work well if you're only watching it on your TV screen at home five, ten years later. I can't say I disagree with these reviews because I can't really put myself in their place to see it in 3D the way that the directors all intended and seeing it with the full audience reactions. But I don't think I agree with it in its current form of just watching it for bullshit on Disney+. Plus. No. Did you ever have a a curved 3D TV? I currently have a curved TV, not 3D. The curved TV went the way of the buffalo along with the 3D at home. But No, I love curved TVs because you don't get uh, reflections in them. That's yeah. fair. I couldn't keep one that wouldn't wouldn't break. Samsung sent me two replacements, and then eventually just it, oh, it got replaced with a flat one the third time because they didn't make uh-huh. the curved one anymore. But 3D TVs, garbage. Um, yes, my agreed. godparents had that one, and I just for shiggles, um, I was house sitting for them, and I turned on. Oh, what was it? I think it was like up in 3D, and I'm like, this looks bad. Well, the reason I ask is because if you don't see it in, if you don't see Christmas Carol in the theater, then maybe around the same time frame, you could have come home and watched it on your Blu-ray, your 3D Blu-ray player, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. But I don't, but I don't think people did that because no one wanted to watch this. Well, 3D, 3D only works if you're James Cameron, really, <laughs> truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have your own submarine. That's true. So three that that that's the takeaway. Get your own submarine. You're successful at 3D. How about we go on to the letterbox game? Welcome to the letterbox game, where where I peruse the letterbox and I'm gonna tell Jez and Alan some reviews, and they have to tell me if it's a one or a five star review. I'll go first because my name I'm, doesn't start with an A. Yeah, I'm gonna. Make, I was gonna a. say I'm gonna make Jess go first because Alan always goes first. <laughs> Jess, he is. Get it? Jess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was good. That was good. That was good. All right, Assassin's <laughs> Creed Miss. Hmm, I get it. Five. That is a one. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, definitely would have won that. I would have won all over that. The best lesson to learn. The best lesson to learn. Is that your dramatic reading? Yes, it's my dramatic mm-hmm. reading. It's my neutral the dramatic best reading. Lesson to learn. Five stars. No. You know you're right. Yes. Oh yeah. Jess, I am. Jess, Jesse is. Born at the perfect time for childhood trauma in the 3D renaissance. Ooh. They call it the perfect time. That could go either way. I'm going to say five because perfect reads five. That is correct. Mm. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I know what you're about to ask me. Jess, I am. 
I like to check just in case, Alan. My name is Alan. So every Justin. time I say Alan, I think of that clip from Jurassic Park 3. I'm so sorry. Alan. 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 Uh, Alan. I'm scared. <gasps> I'm scared. One star. That's correct. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. it. Taking it home. That's right. What? what? All right. Got my comfy pants on. You know, I'm relaxed today. In oh, Australia. Oh, in Australia, where you are. I mean, this morning. This morning. That's what I mean. It's the morning for you. It's it's nighttime for us. Ugh. That's right. It's like already dark outside for me, which it is why really I was like, is morning? So, really is. The mocap made me smell toast. That means I had a stroke. Heart attack. That's a one. Isn't toast when you have a heart that attack? That is correct. I th- it could be both. I thought stroke was toast. Brain toast. Brain toast. I don't toast. Yeah, definitely heart attack. All right. Are you ready, Alan? <laughs> What's the next one? I, y- yes. Uh, Alan, I am. Freak as hell. Freak as hell. Five stars. That's it. That is correct. Yes. This movie had no reason to be that scary. The fuck? One. Five. Fuck. That's that's definitely. Yeah, you gotta read. You gotta read the Liz inflection. The Liz flexion. I don't. I try not to put inflections on these. I swear. I know. Like that's. But that's your tell. See, when I do them, I try to give inflections, but I try to trick them. Yeah, no, you do yeah. like a really positive inflection on a one just to fuck with people. It's really fun. I love it. It's my favorite thing to do. Just chaos. Like, <laughs> that was it. Just chaos. Yep. Oh, that's that's a good read. You've learned. There you go. Oh, okay. I'm learning. Yeah. I wasn't an actor okay. in high school, so I'm learning. Chaos. 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 Chaos Five star. Chaos reads. That was a one star. No, you're acting spoiled my time. I'm so sorry, Alan. You're still winning, so, like, you're fine. <laughs> Jess, it's your turn. I'm ready. Jess, I am. Jess, he is. He's Jesse just like is. me, for real. Five, because that's just like me. That's correct. Mm. Oh, back. I don't know that he, this review, is referring to, but I want to know. All right, Alan, oh, are you ready? Good. Jess, he is. I mean, I am. I mean, yes. Steve. Jess, Alan is ready. Alan speaks in third person. Yes. Alan is ready. Alan is waiting. I couldn't tell when to be scared or when to laugh. I couldn't tell when to be scared or when to laugh. That's a good sign of a movie. That's a one. That's a one. Yeah. That is correct. Great. Yep. Yep. All right, Jess, if you get this right, you will tie and rob Alan of a win. I'm going to rob you. You're not going to win. Rob me. Jess me. Why was I allowed to watch this as a kid? Well, they're rewatching it from childhood. That has to be. They're they're choosing to watch this, so this is a five. That's correct. You're tied. I kicked your (sighs) ass, Alan. You're not going to steal another win from me. We are just going to both take a win here. I just listened back to. The Alex Brightman episode, he's like, I don't care. I'm not competitive. I don't give a fuck. Like, you guys, whatever do you want. And then the two of us are just like, no, yes, no, yes. I think one of them, us, is a very successful Broadway actor, and you and I do podcasts on the internet. (laughs) I think that says it all, Alan. (sighs) Oh, yeah. So for context, we recorded that a year ago, and it just released last week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Podcasting but is magical. It's a magical travel. process. Yes. It's all lies. Everything you've ever heard on a podcast is a lie. Yeah, we're recording yes. this in March of 2024. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm actually um, a dinosaur. Truly, truly. Honestly, we're recording this in June of 2017. Yeah, actually, I'm the Queen of England or something. I can't think of another famous Elizabeth. You're supposed to be dead. I watched I know, you right? die. <laughs> Studying English history in middle school sucks when your name is Elizabeth. Let me tell you. You know how oh, much more it sucks. Point. 
It sucks so much more if your name's Ebenezer. Speaking of that, there's a movie called A Christmas Carol where Jim Carrey played Ebenezer Scrooge. That was a better segue than you've had in the past. I'll give you that. Oh, yeah. I give myself a D plus. But the last thing I do want to talk about is for the DVD release, they have footage comparisons where they show you Jim Carrey on set as Scrooge. And I want to show you all that really quick. I am pulling it up right now. One hand in my pocket and the other. So they did show the entire opening in motion capture. And I think it's pretty cool. I'd almost prefer to watch the movie with just the dot face. Like, this is incredible. Just a, it, It's like, better it, like this. This is really cool. And like yeah. they do the entire opening I really like how they have the character names on the suits. Things. It's very cute. I like that Jim Carrey had to wear little spectacles so he could look over them. Yep. Fun fact, that they drew those dots on with permanent so markers. Cute. So for three months of filming, they walked around with dot face. But this goes to show you the difference in acting. Like, look at how much Jim Carrey's face is moving in comparison to Colin Firth's. Like, every moment Jim Carrey's face is doing, like, a bunch of big things. Where I think technically Colin Firth is giving the better performance, but Jim Carrey's is registering better. Behind the eyes, Colin Firth is saying, why did I yes. do this? And Jim Carrey's Who put like, this yeah, shit on he's, me? he's covered in Give dots and is questioning his life. Don't you wipe off my freckle, you spoiled bitch. Spoiled I was the pride and prejudice bitch. guy. That guy. That would have been a better yeah, motion that, capture, uh, too. Um, however, yeah. there is one motion capture film outside of Monster House that I think is really effective. Have either of you seen The Adventures of Tintin? No. Mm. I've been meaning to for like five years now, but no. Steven Spielberg directed motion capture films starring Jamie Bell and Daniel Craig. And the reason why that one works is because, once again, they heightened and... <gasps> yes, like, I have seen it. Did you hit anything? Oh, dear. It just looks beautiful, and you've got the yeah. Spielberg touch. It is uh, truly the exact opposite of this, where, you know, Bob Zemeckis obviously was picked out by Steven Spielberg to make films. He wrote the film 1941 for Spielberg. Spielberg produced all of his early work, including Back to the Future movies. Truly, they are hand-in-hand, hand, but Spielberg just ate his fucking lunch when it came to motion capture. And that's sad, because Sp Zemeckis made motion capture, and then Spielberg perfected motion capture. Well, ain't that ironic. Yeah. And that's Don't kind of the note I wanted to end on, which is a bummer and kind of sad. And I wish that like, when Bob Zemeckis came back and was like, I'm going to do live-action films again, he hit that hot streak again. But no, his live-action films he's done lately are terrible. Have you seen the new Pinocchio? Yeah, no one else has either. So, yeah, what's our overall thoughts? And is it no spank you or an alrighty then? Alan, it. why don't you go first? No spank you. Hard no spank you. He says that it. with just as much inflection in his face as That's Robin it. Wright throughout the entire film. Ebenezer Scrooge, your your heart has gone and left you. I, I, I don't think I can ever love you again. As you wish. <laughs> it's weird that they're both in this movie, yet I don't think they interact. <laughs> 
But let's get this okay. over with. Liz, what are your overall thoughts? Yes, alrighty then, or no spank you? Uh, I The way I like to think of Christmas Carol is our relationship is kind of based on, like, what version we watch first. And I watched, like, the Muppet one and Mr. Bagoose Christmas Carol from, like, the 70s and the 60s with my dad a lot. So I like those. And this one is just an adaptation of the book with a random chase scene thrown in for no reason. And it's kind of boring. Uh, don't show it to your kids. Don't watch it. Just skip it. No smack you. Not worth your time. Just watch the one. You know, not to be... Or, or the one with Scourge McDuck. That Just watch that one. That's also on Disney+. Plus. Watch that one. <laughs> that also cut much less out of the narrative. Yeah, it's a no spank you for me, but I kind of... It's not as hard as everyone else. Like, I really respect the animations. I get why this was made. I, it was the last breath of a dying company, and I, I, I feel for those that lost their jobs and all that from it. I really do. Um, yeah. And I wish this had been a success. I really wish that it would have been a spark to a comeback of Jim Carrey, but really just kind of led to things like Mr. Popper's Penguins. This is kind of like his last breath of that mainstay career of his. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, we're only releasing this during holiday time because it's a holiday movie, but we will yeah. go back in time oh, yes. chronologically. Yes. We're when the new year hits, we're going to be, or not new year, uh, whatever we, after this, we're going to you know go go back to where we were chronologically which i think what's our yeah. next episode um, our next episode chronologically that needs to be out is the duck factory i guess thank you for listening follow us on itunes spotify carried away with jess and alan we're on twitter at carried away we're on instagram at carried away email us at carried away podcast at gmail.com our title card was made by grace aki go send them some love on instagram at it's grace aki this show is produced and edited by the wonderful Elizabeth Estid. Our theme song is I Choose You by the band Thanks. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform, for not kicking me off, for singing the way I just did. All right. Are we ready? For what? What, what are we doing now? Merry Christmas. We got to talk. Mer- Merry non-denominational holiday celebration in the wintertime. Happy holidays. Hark the herod angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and good we find, violence is reconciled. Joy to end the angels in. We go into our acapella breakdown. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.